Hey guys, welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. I am Stephanie Sims, and today we are back to mindset, and I'm very excited. But first, I wanted just to clear something up. So this podcast is called Legacy Through Motherhood, obviously, and my Instagram and Facebook are also Legacy Through Motherhood, but my website is www.simsarrows.com. So that may seem complete. That may seem confusing, but just let me give you like a little interesting fact about this business. So Sims Arrows has been a hashtag I have been using for a couple years now when I talk about my children. I will post a picture of Noah and I will hashtag it Sims Arrows 1. He's my first one. He's my firstborn. If I post a picture of my Graham, who is my third, uh, I'll sometimes hashtag it Sims Arrows 3. And the picture in my mind behind this is that our children are like arrows. And throughout their entire childhood, we are, like figuratively speaking, obviously, pulling back on the bow ever so slightly. And with as much pull as we can, just teaching them everything we know. And then once they become of age or just an adult or whatever age that is, that they leave us, we let go and shoot them off into the world and they just continue the legacy that we started. And this is just kind of how I picture our children. And I want to like pull that bowstring, I guess, <laughs> back with purpose and with strength so that when I let go, they launch as far as possible as they are just beginning their own little independent life away from us. And my hope is that I don't pull that string back and when I let go, the arrows just like fall at my feet. Hello, healthy 45-year-old living at home with your mama still, okay? I want to learn how to just launch that arrow as far as I possibly can, and that takes practice, and it takes refining, but I'm willing to invest in myself and in my parenting so that when the time comes for Justin and I to just let go, my children will soar. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what all the Sims Arrows brand will become. Maybe a book one day, definitely some courses. Maybe Justin will start something. Uh, People have been joking about a Legacy Through Fatherhood podcast. (laughs) So I don't know what the Sims Arrow umbrella will uncover in time, but we didn't want to make the website all about the podcast because my dream and hope is that Through loving you guys and figuring out how I can help you and serve you, I will continue to create and do so under this whole Sims Arrow umbrella. Okay, so if you are confused by that at all, hopefully that makes a little more sense now. Also, just a heads up, this is a topic that kind of works best when you kind of marry it up with the other uh, mindset episodes. So that affirmation episode that I released five weeks ago will be really good for you to have already listened to as we go into this episode. However, if you have not listened to that episode, it's okay. I would just go back and listen to it. I think it's episode 002. It's just, it's called the battle for your mind. And it's actually one of my most listened to podcast episodes. So um, go check it out. And these two together kind of, um, they kind of supplement or complement each other, I guess. So let's jump in. You are not good with money. You don't think something is possible given your life situation. You could never be a millionaire. You think rich is evil and poverty is noble. 
You weren't born into the right family for that thing that you want to do. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough energy. You're not disciplined enough for that thing. There isn't a good guy left out there for you. You're destined to get this condition because of the genes that you have. This is just the way you are. All of those are self-limiting beliefs in some way, shape, or form. And a self-limiting belief is basically just a core belief, which is usually just a deep assumption or perception that you have about yourself and about the way the world just works. These assumptions are self-limiting because in some way, they are holding you back from achieving what you could be capable of or have in your life. And it's kind of the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. There's a lot of talk right now, I feel like, a lot of buzz around this whole idea of a growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And that honestly could be an entire episode and maybe it will be. But basically, someone who has a fixed mindset means that that person thinks they are just the way they are and you're just destined to be on whatever linear trajectory or whatever you were born on. And someone who has a growth mindset is someone who believes that they have the ability to change just about anything in their life. They kind of acknowledge that they may not have been born with the best talent at something, but they know with like hard work and focus and dedication, they can improve their skills. And it reminds me of that Tim Tebow quote. It's actually one of my husband's favorite quotes that says, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And it also reminds me of Michael Jordan and the whole age old story of him not making his freshman basketball team and Had he had a fixed mindset, then he probably would have just said, well, I guess I'm not good enough. (laughs) But instead, he clearly had a growth mindset and took that rejection as a challenge to put in the time into, I don't know, just bettering himself. And I mean, we all kind of know where that went and how successful that he came to be. But I would guess that if he got cut from his high school team, then he may not have been born with the talent of an NBA star. But in his mind, he didn't care. (laughs) He was just going to work hard until he became one. And this next truth is kind of a cool but a tricky thing. Our mind, you guys, literally does not know the difference between what is reality and what's make-believe. It has no idea. I mentioned this in the Battle for Your Mind episode, and the cool thing about that is that we get to tell our mind what's true and what isn't true. The tricky thing about that, though, is that a lot of our past and just the culture around us, the family we grew up in, the spouse we married, our experiences, and whatever else, kind of slowly mold what we believe. And then we believe it to our core because it's based on experiences and Um, and just people that we love around us. And for example, I have never been around a lot of wealth. My mindset for a great income, you guys, was like $80,000. And as a teacher, like $50,000 was wonderful. That was great. But $80,000, you had made it. Like you were rich. That That was my mindset. 
And for me personally, to ever make six figures was literally something that could never happen. <laughs> like that is so far-fetched to me that it just seems ridiculous. And then I entered at like 23 years old, I entered the entrepreneurial world. I became a Mary Kay consultant. And to this day, I think that was one of the like five to 10 big decisions that I made that changed the trajectory of my life forever. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. I don't do Mary Kay anymore as far as the business goes, though. Listen, I still use all the products because they're amazing. But the personal development and just constant excellence that is being passed around and down in that company was so eye-opening and it was truly and genuinely life-changing for me. I will forever sing its praises. And I heard in that company words like affirmations and I'm like, what are those? <laughs> I heard the word or the phrase or whatever, self-limiting beliefs. Like, what are those? I don't, I've never even heard of those before. I heard the word personal development, and though I probably have heard that before, I never saw it in, in true action um, and being pursued. I heard the phrase, design your life, and I learned that there was actually a lot more out there for us to grab than was, than, I don't know, that was just like right in front of us. I saw at that point a different story than just like grow up, go to college, become a teacher, then retire, you know, whatever, that whole like narrative. And apparently, which I didn't even realize, there was just a ceiling that I had put on myself at a pretty young age. And Mary Kay for me just shattered that. So listen, <laughs> I know that it can be annoying to get asked to join all of your friends like direct sales companies. But really, you guys, if you knew the amount of praise they give women and moms. And if you just knew how much personal development training and just success-minded women are in those circles, you'd be screaming it from the rooftops also. It is like otherworldly and it has impacted my life so, so much. But the point is that one of my self-limiting beliefs surrounding money is that I would never in my life earn six figures or really anywhere close to it. I didn't have the skill. I did. I wasn't in the right career for it. I didn't have the ability to do that. Recently, though, I have really just dove in, dove in, is that the right word? Dove, <laughs> dove into wealth building. I have read so much on what the Bible and God says about wealth. I have had lots of conversations surrounding this, and I have like completely zoned in on that specific self-limiting belief for myself. And now you want to hear my goal? <laughs> you guys, well, I'm laughing because it still is ludicrous to me. However, my goal is to make $1 million in one year with my business. <laughs> you can laugh with me. It's okay. <laughs> it's just funny because like, so my mom had asked me, um, at some point we were having like a business meeting, uh, because was cause me and my mom and my sister all have um, like our own businesses that we're working on. And I was like a goal. And she asked me what a goal was. And I was like, well, actually one of my goals is to make a million dollars in a year. And she was like, well, money probably shouldn't be like your driving force behind the goal. And as true as that is, it was still a goal. And it was, I mean, I'm about to sound super cliche here, but it seriously had nothing to do with the money and everything to do with crushing my self-limiting beliefs around my earning potential. I mean, really. And now this, this goal is 
pretty safe for me to tell you guys because I have literally nothing to sell <laughs> to you guys right now. So there is no pressure to help me reach that goal at the moment. But here's what I've learned. I, if I create something, okay, a course or whatever, you know, that may be, after I have listened to my people and know whatever their wants and their needs are, and I build out a course that I put so much time and effort into to just help people get from A to B, and it actually delivers, and then I'm compensated for it, that's okay. And if I work every single launch to make that specific course better and better and better, that's also good. So my goal of like making a million dollars to me would say to me specifically, Stephanie, you have created something of value that is changing people's lives for the better. And the only thing a million dollars would do is show me that like, I don't even know, six, seven, 8,000 people have trusted and invested in me because my work is good. And to me, that's huge. But I now believe that is doable and that is even bigger. Because here's what I believe. I believe that there is so much need in this world. I am also not so naive that I don't think that it costs money. <laughs> Hello, every organization that needs to, you know, run fundraisers and whatever to support that organization. If you want to give clean water to countries, there are organizations that, you know, sole purpose is to do that. So if you want to make a big impact, you need big money. It's a ripple effect. For example, I build and create and love on people and get compensated for it. Now I have the option to give these organiz give to these organizations and make an impact. Then once this community has clean water, they're able to focus on like educating their people. And once their people are educated, they can have choices. So for me, it all starts with my relationship with you guys. And for you, it all starts with your relationship or decision somewhere. So I challenge you, and it doesn't have to be money related, okay? That's just like an area of my life that I'm so like limiting in <laughs> for my own self that I really have to like work through that. But I challenge you to ask the question, what can you invest in now that will have a ripple effect later? Is it your marriage? You know, it's funny. So my, actually, it's not funny. That's the wrong word, but I always say that for some reason. But my parents um, divorced when I was young and most of the adults in my childhood that surrounded me were divorced. And I remember being probably like 16 years old and Justin and I had just started dating and I was talking on the phone with him. It was probably till like 2 a.m. or you know how teenagers are. And we were just asking all the random things like, what's your favorite movie and how many kids would you want? And just juvenile questions you ask when you're new to dating someone. And I remember asking him what he wanted in life or what, you know, what he wanted to do. And basically what he said was, he wanted to get married and have a good job that made good money so that his wife could stay home and raise her kids if she wanted. Totally normal answer, right? But I, you guys, I literally laughed out loud. Like, no joke, my response to that as a 16-year-old was, uh, okay, that's cool, but just so you know, just so we're on the same page here, I never want to be a stay-at-home mom. And he asked why? <laughs> and I just said, well, 
I mean, if something happened between us, I would want to have my own stable career and not be dependent on you or my husband for anything. And his response was, wait, what? When I get married, divorce is literally not even an option. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Well, just so you know, it happens and it actually happens a lot. And the statistics of being divorced, if your parents are divorced, are actually even higher than the national average. So I don't know what to tell you. I mean, how fun was I? (laughs) But I really believe that divorce was just kind of something that happened. And him saying that was the first time I ever believed that maybe divorce wasn't like a sure thing. Maybe it had the chance of not happening. Hmm. <laughs> and here we are 15 years later. And guess what, guys? I am a stay-at-home mom. God has a funny way of just working things out. But my self-limiting belief at 16 was that marriages don't last. And why did I think that? Because that's what I grew up around. And why did Justin think something different? Because he had not seen divorce. So that is now a belief that has changed, thankfully, in my head. What about if we talk about like addiction or abuse or some kind of condition um, that you might be predisposed to? You hear that there is an addiction gene that can be passed down. And there is truth to this. Addiction is due 50% to genetic predisposition and then 50% to poor coping skills. And actually the children of addicts are like eight times more likely to develop an addiction. Now, I will say that addiction is a gene I was and am worried about because it is in my family for sure. However, That is kind of the most I'm going to say about that, just to protect the privacy and the dignity of these people that I love. And when I was younger, I never wanted to even try a cigarette because I thought I might like it. (laughs) I really thought that I might like it, so I didn't want to. Um, I was not super into drinking because I was scared I would become an alcoholic. I knew that I had a predisposition to addiction, and I knew how my life was impacted by it as a child. So I was determined to not be addicted to anything. I actually almost minored in addiction studies, which is kind of under the counseling umbrella, just because I was so interested on its generational impact, just in general. But saying you are destined to be an alcoholic because your mom or dad was... That right there is a self-limiting belief. And here's why. You are not predestined, okay? You are predisposed. And there is a difference. Yes, you have a higher likelihood to fall victim to it or whatever you want to say, but you are not doomed to have it just because your dad or your mother or whoever did. 50% of addiction, like I just said, is due to poor coping skills And that is where you actually have all your power. It's there that you have the ability to learn how to cope with trauma or experiences you had maybe because of someone else's addiction. And typically, if someone dear to us struggles with addiction, even though they never mean it, it still affects us. But you can learn how to get past some of those things and how to choose differently. You are not predestined. You are predisposed. 
So if someone in your direct family struggles with addiction, I would caution you to just be more aware of what that means for you. Let's talk about something really cool for a second. Epigenetics. Epigenetics basically says that your thoughts and choices impact your physical body, your brain, your mental health, and your spiritual development. But it doesn't stop there. Your thoughts and choices can affect those who are in just really close relationship to you as well. And it also affects the generation that follows you. And in the book, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf, she details how this phenomenon can actually impact the next four generations. And if you are someone who is fascinated by all of the science of the brain and the impact that our surroundings, our thoughts, and our just situational exposure can have on our development like I am, I would highly recommend this book. It really just connects so many biblical truths found in scripture directly to the science of how our brains work and develop. And scientific research has demonstrated how the thought networks pass through the sperm and the ova via like DNA to the next generations. And then Exodus 34, 7 says this, he punishes the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generations. It's a pretty cool connection, okay? Just between what science has found and what is in the Bible. In this next part, I am going to read straight from Dr. Leaf's book, and it's found on page 58, because me trying to just like retell you what she is saying just won't do it justice, and I really want this to be clear for you guys, okay? So taken collectively, the studies on epigenetics show us that the good, the bad, and the ugly do come down through the generations, but your mind is the signal the epigenetic factor that switches these genes on or off. Therefore, you are not destined to live out the negative patterns of your forebears or your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents. You can instead make a life choice to overcome them by tweaking their patterns of expression. And it says that the second part of this book will show us how to do that. But taking this further, the scriptures tell us that the sins of the parents will reach to the third and the fourth generation. And I just said that was in Exodus 34, 7. And it seems to imply that we are responsible for the unconfessed sins of our great, great grandparents. But we can kind of breathe a sigh of relief when we read Deuteronomy 24, 16 and Ezekiel 18, 19 to 20, which explain that we are each responsible for our own sins and not those of our ancestors. I know this seems confusing because the scriptures say that on one hand, the parents' iniquity will be visited on the children, but on the other hand, we are only responsible for our own sins. So here's how it works. Epigenetic changes represent a biological response to an environmental signal. That response can be inherited through the generations via the epigenetic marks. But if you remove the signal, the epigenetic marks will fade. By the same token, if you choose to add a signal, for example, saying something like, my mother had depression and that's why I have depression and now my daughter is suffering from depression, 
then the epigenetic marks are activated. The thinking and speaking out the problem serve as a signal that makes it a reality. And I have, um, Dr. Leaf still speaking here, I have seen this over the years in my private practice and in my seminars and even in my own life, in the lives of my family and friends, time and time again. If we don't wake up to these truths, they will catch us when we are not looking. And before you know it, you will be living a life you didn't plan on living. If this is you, here's the good news. You can change. So let's break this down into just a practical example here. So if your mom or dad struggles with addiction, you can run with this in one of two ways, right? You can either follow in the footsteps of addiction or you can completely steer clear of addiction. We've all seen siblings come from the exact same family and one child is a mess and the other is thriving. One became addicted young and the other has never even touched drugs or alcohol. Both kids, though, were exposed to the exact same childhood and the same upbringing, but child one has taken on the mindset that, let's just say alcoholism for simplicity's sake, that alcoholism runs in the family, that it's inevitable, and they speak openly about this with their friends and their family as though they are just predestined to struggle with it, and they often use it as an excuse for their behavior. And this literally rewires their brain and turns those markers for addiction on. But child number two was brought up with the same exposure, but is determined for that not to be their story. And they openly tell others that this will not be the reality, and they take steps to prevent themselves from falling victim to the same outcome by just speaking openly against it, surrounding themselves with like-minded support and people, and then backing it up with the choices that they make. This rewires their brain, minimizing the impact of their genetic predisposition. And as you can imagine, this is going to have a huge impact on the following generations, the sons and daughters of that first child will again see addiction firsthand in their household, or at least the struggle of it, while the child of the second will be in a home that's free of addiction, ultimately minimizing the genetic predisposition even further because they're not exposed daily to that struggle of addiction and don't have the trauma kind of that goes along with that. So this is what I mean when I talk about just breaking generational cycles and strongholds. And this is what I mean when like it starts with us. So the the best thing that we can do is just recognize it um, and then just educate ourselves on it. And self-limiting beliefs are really different for everyone, but even simple ones that are like, I don't have enough time to do something you really want to do. That's not true. I mean, we all have the same 24 hours in a day and some people are doing what you want to do, honestly, with their time. Or I don't deserve, you know, fill in the blank is another popular one. What do you feel like you don't deserve? You don't deserve success. You don't deserve a healthy relationship. You don't deserve wealth. You don't deserve to have a healthy body. What about like, I am not blank enough, I feel like, is another big one. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not self-disciplined enough. I'm not strong enough to have, you know, whatever that thing might be. These are all self-limiting beliefs that can also begin to form in our children also. And actually, we have kind of big 
impact in what their self-limiting beliefs are because we're just naturally in their space and kind of telling them what is true and what isn't. So I actually bought a uh, journal for Noah and it's called, I think it's called the Big Life Journal and it's all about teaching a growth mindset to your kids. It's basically a workbook full of stories and exercises that train their little brains to be more growth-minded and it's really wonderful. I, I'll put the link in the show notes. And just FYI, this is not an ad. I don't get paid for it. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's just a resource that I uh, bought and I, I really, really love. The one that I got, which I'll put a p- picture on our Facebook group, um, it's probably for like seven to 10 year olds. But there are other books through that um, company that span different ages. So you could always kind of shop around and see what would be best for you. But basically, the first goal with self-limiting beliefs would just be to identify them. And usually they can hit you kind of like a ton of bricks, uh, like it happened to me when I we had that whole marriage divorce conversation with Justin. Like he showed me my limiting belief when he showed me a belief that was different. So that can happen just through experiences and conversation with people, um, you know, like, oh, wait. There is a different way to think about divorce and marriage or just being around people with like big audacious goals can really change your perspective on success and wealth and how to do that with integrity and, um, you know, whatever and researching and understanding different things about addiction or health issues you are predisposed to can help you change your actions and your mindset on things that you may otherwise just kind of accept and settle into. And the second thing, so after just identifying what are what some of your self-limiting beliefs are, the second thing would be to form affirmations around those beliefs. This is where listening to that first episode would become really helpful. Um, so go ahead and do that if you haven't um, already listened to it. So Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So instead of my self-limiting belief that divorce is inevitable, I now say divorce is not an option. Now, instead of thinking my money is capped and my earning potential is, you know, nothing hardly, my affirmation is something to the effect of, I don't know, like if I can create value to people and put my heart behind something that is going to change their life for the better, then I can create wealth with integrity and in turn, hopefully just change the world or my little corner of it. You can say, you know, I am smart enough to do this. You could choose to say, I am self-disciplined enough to accomplish this. You could say, I absolutely deserve to be in a healthy, thriving relationship because I am worthy and valuable. You get the point. You can just kind of take the things that you are struggling with or that you have a limiting belief around and turn it into an affirmation. And that previous episode kind of walks through that in a more specific way. But you get the point. And I hope that you take the time or at least begin to notice some self-limiting beliefs you have of yourself and your life. And remember that your subconscious does not know what is real and what is make-believe. So you 
have the power to tell it what is true and what is not. Through all of this, though, guys, I want you to remember that you are already enough. That is a truth, and that is and will always be there. Did you know there is an active Facebook group that is for us to continue this conversation each week? Join the Legacy Through Motherhood community with Stephanie Sims, and I would love to connect on a more personal level. There are some trainings and encouragement there each week. Also, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow me to keep up to date with all the things on Instagram at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood. Join me next week when we jump back into the hottest topic of this podcast so far, and that is finances. Oh man, you guys have been fired up on finances, and since it is one of my favorite topics, it has been so fun to support you guys in this area in our Facebook group. I am excited to walk with you mamas and help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Grace.